On the late afternoon of 27 October 1858, a flurry of activity disturbed the genteel quietness of East 20th Street, New York City. Liveried servants flew out of the basement of Number 28, the Roosevelt Brownstone, and hurried off in search of doctors, midwives, and stray members of the family. A difficult task, for it was now the fashionable visiting hour. Meanwhile, Mrs. Theodore Roosevelt lay tossing in her satinwood bed, awaiting the arrival of her second child and first son. Gaslight was flaring on the cobbles by the time a doctor arrived. The child was born at a quarter to eight, emerging so easily that neither chloroform nor instruments were needed. Consequently, reported his grandmother, the dear little thing has no cuts nor bruises about it. Theodore Roosevelt, Jr. was as sweet and pretty a young baby as I have ever seen. Mitty Roosevelt, inspecting her son the following morning, disagreed. She said, with southern frankness, that he looked like a terrapin. Apart from those two contradictory images, there are no further visual descriptions of the newborn baby. He weighed eight and a half pounds and was more than unusually noisy. When he reappears in the family chronicles ten months later, he has acquired a milk crust and a nickname, Tidi. At eighteen months, the milk crust has gone, but the nickname has not. He is now almost a little beauty. Scattered references in other letters indicate a bright, hyperactive infant. Yet already the first of a succession of congenital ailments was beginning to weaken him. Asthma crowded his lungs, depriving him of sleep. One of my memories, the ex-president wrote in his autobiography, is of my father walking up and down the room with me in his arms at night when I was a very small person, and of sitting up in bed gasping, with my father and mother trying to help me. Even more nightmarish was the recollection of those same strong arms holding him as the Roosevelt rig sped through the darkened city streets, forcing a rush of air into the tiny lungs. Theodore Roosevelt Sr. was no stranger to childhood suffering. Gifted himself with magnificent health and strength, I never seemed to get tired. He overflowed with sympathy for the small, the weak, the lame, and the poor. Even in that age when a certain amount of charitable work was expected of well-born citizens, he was remarkable for his passionate efforts on behalf of the waifs of New York. He had what he called a troublesome conscience. Every seventh day of his life was dedicated to teaching in mission schools, distributing tracts, and interviewing wayward children. Long after dark he would come home after dinner at some such institution as the Newsboys' Lodging House or Miss Sattery's Night School for Little Italians. One of his prime concerns, as a founder of the Children's Aid Society, was to send street urchins to work on farms in the West. His charity extended as far as sick kittens, which could be seen peeking from his pockets as he drove down Broadway. At the time of Tidi's birth, Theodore Sr. was 27 years old, a partner in the old importing firm of Roosevelt & Son, and already one of the most influential men in New York. Handsome, wealthy, and gregarious, he was at ease with millionaires and paupers, never showing a trace of snobbery, real or inverse, in his relations with either class. I can see him now, remembered a society matron years later, in full evening dress, serving a most generous supper to his newsboys in the lodging house, and later dashing off to an evening party on Fifth Avenue. A photograph taken in 1862 shows deep eyes, leonine features, a glossy beard, and big, sloping shoulders. 
He was a large, broad, bright, cheerful man, said his nephew, Emlyn Roosevelt, deep through, with a sense of abundant strength and power. The word power runs like a leitmotif through other descriptions of Theodore Sr. He was a person of inexorable drive. A certain expression on his face, as he strode breezily into the offices of business acquaintances, was enough to flip pocketbooks open. How much this time, Theodore? For all his compulsive philanthropy, he was neither sanctimonious nor ascetic. He took an exuberant, masculine joy in life, riding his horse through Central Park as though born in the saddle, exercising with the energy of a teenager, waltzing all night long at society balls. Driving his four-in-hand back home in the small hours of the morning, he rattled through the streets at such a rate that his grooms allegedly fell out at the corners. Such a combination of physical vitality and genuine love of humanity was rare indeed. His son called Theodore Sr. the best man I ever knew, adding, but he was the only man of whom I was ever really afraid.